Hey guys, Ed from Paranormal Inc. Ohio here, back at it again with another podcast episode. Tonight's episode is about the curse of Cornstalk in West Virginia. I read about this, guys, and thought it would be a really good episode, like I say about every other episode, but yet again, I will say it again. This sounds like a good episode. The Cornstalk Curse is this West Virginia mystery linked to the Mothman and other strange happenings in the region. We'll find out. So, like I said, I'm going to read this from the, uh, the research that I did. And, of course, you guys know I'm going to fumble my words and destroy names like I always do. I know you guys are here for that if you're not here for the paranormal aspect. So, I'm going to go ahead and begin. Almost two centuries before the shadow of the Mothman reared its head in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, the land around the Ohio River ran red with blood as the inhabitants of the American colonies began to push their way to the west and later fought for their independence from Britain. They entered into the deadly combat with the Native American inhabitants of the land. Perhaps their greatest foe in these early Indian wars was Chief Cornstalk, who later became a friend to the Americans. But treachery, deception, and murder would bring an end to the Chief's life, and a curse that he placed on Point Pleasant would linger for 200 years, bringing tragedy, death, and disaster. There is no denying that the southeastern corner of Ohio and the surrounding area of West Virginia is considered by many to be one of the most haunted areas of the country. West Virginia has long been thought of as one of the strangest parts of the country in regards to ghosts, legends, and strange happenings. This part of the country, which was originally a part of Virginia, was regarded by the Native Americans as a haunted spot plagued with ghosts, lights, phantoms, and strange creatures. The town of Parkersburg, just north of the river from Point Pleasant, has more than its share of ghosts in nearby is Athens County, Ohio, home to the most haunted city in the entire state. But how did this region gain such a reputation? Why are many people not surprised to find stories of the Mothman, phantom inhabitants, and mysterious creatures roaming this part of the country? There have been a number of theories to explain the large number of haunted happenings here including that this area may be some sort of window between dimensions. This would, this would, according to the theories, allow paranormal phenomenon to come and go and vanish at will, just as the Mothman did after 13 months of appearing around Point Pleasant. Those researchers with a historical bent have offered their own solutions, though, They have traced the supernatural roots of the region back to a bloody event from the days of the American Revolution, and a great curse. As the American frontiersmen began to move west in the 1770s, seven nations of Indians, the Shawnee, Delaware, Wyandotte, Mingo, Miami, Ottawa, and Illinois, formed a powerful confederacy to keep the white men from infringing on their territory. The Shawnee were the most powerful of the tribes and were led by a feared and respected chieftain called Kitugwa. I probably destroyed that. I probably destroyed I'm so sorry if I did. Which translates to mean cornstalk. In 1774, when the white settlers were moving down into the Kanawha and Ohio River valleys, the Indian Confederacy prepared to protect their lands by any means necessary. The nations began to amass in a rough like rough line across the point from the Ohio River to the Kanawha River. Numbering about 1,200 warriors, they began to make preparations to attack the white settlers near an area called Point Pleasant. 
on the Virginia side of the Ohio River. As word reached the colonial military leaders of the impending attack, troops were sent in and faced off against the Indians, while the numbers of fighters were fairly even on both sides. The Native Americans were no match for the muskets of the white soldiers. The battle ended with about 140 colonials killed and more than twice that number of Indians. The tribes retreated westward into the wilds of what is now Ohio, and in order to keep them from returning, a fort was constructed at the junction of the Kanawha and Ohio rivers. As time passed, the Shawnee leader Cornstalk made peace with the white men. He would carry word to his new friends in 1777 when the British began coaxing, sorry, coaxing, I can't read my own writing, guys, coaxing the Indians into attacking the rebellious colonies. Soon, the tribes again began massing along the Ohio River, intent on attacking the fort. Cornstalk and Red Hawk, a Delaware chief, had no taste for war with the Americans, and they went to the fort on November 7th to try to negotiate a peace. Before fighting began, Cornstalk told Captain Arbuckle, who commanded the garrison, that he was opposed to war with the colonists, but that the only... He and his tribe were holding back from joining on the side of the British. He was afraid that he would be forced to go along by the rest of the Confederacy. When he admitted to Arbuckle that he would allow his men to fight if the other tribes did, Cornstalk, Red Hawk, and another Indian were taken as hostages. The Americans believed that they could use him to keep the other tribes from attacking. They forced the Native Americans into a standoff for none of them wanted to risk the life of their leader, Cornstalks. Cornstalks' name not only stuck fear into the hearts of the white settlers up and down the frontier, but it also garnered respect from the other Indian tribes. He was gifted with great oratory skills, fighting ability, and military genius. In fact, it was said that when his fighting tactics were adopted by the Americans, they were able to defeat the British in a number of battles where they had been both outnumbered and outgunned. Although taken as hostage, Cornstalk and the other Indians were treated well and were given comfortable quarters, leading many to wonder if the chief's hostage status may have been voluntary in the beginning. Cornstalk even assisted his captors in plotting maps of the Ohio River Valley during his imprisonment. On November 9th, Cornstalk's son, Lepiscano, I think I destroyed that, guys. Ellen Episco, sorry, Ellen Episco, came to the fort to see his father, and he was also detained. The following day, gunfire was heard from outside the walls of the fort, coming from the direction of the Kanawha River. When men went out to investigate, they discovered that two soldiers who had left the stockade to hunt deer and been ambushed by Indians, one of them had escaped out, the other man had been killed. When his bloody corpse was returned to the fort, the soldiers in the garrison were enraged. Acting against orders, they broke into the quarters where Cornstalk and the other Indians were being held. Even though the men had nothing to do with the crime, they decided to execute the prisoners as revenge. As the soldiers burst through the doorway, Cornstalk rose to meet them. It was said that he stood facing the soldiers with such bravery that they paused momentarily in their attack. It wasn't enough, though and the soldiers opened fire with their muskets. Red Hawk tried to escape up through the chimney, but was pulled back down and slaughtered, and Lepisco was shot 
where he had been sitting on a stool, and the other unknown Indian was strangled to death. As for Cornstalk, he was shot eight times before he fell to the floor. And as he lay there dying in the smoke-filled room, he was said to have pronounced his now legendary curse. The stories say that he looked upon his assassins and spoke to them. I was the border man's friend many times. I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warred with you, but only to protect our wigwams and lands. I refused to join your pale-faced enemies with the Redcoats. I came to the fort as your friend, and you murdered me. You have murdered my son, and you have murdered by my side, my young son. For this, may the curse of the Great Spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it even be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its peoples be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. He spoke these words, so says the legend, and then he died. The bodies of the other Indians were then taken and dumped into the Kanawha River, but Cornstalk's corpse was buried near the fort on Point Pleasant overlooking the junction of the Kanawha and Ohio Rivers. Here he remained in many years, but he would not rest in peace. In 1794, the town of Point Pleasant was established near the site of the old fort. For many years after, the Indian's grave lay undisturbed. But in 1840, his bones were removed to the grounds of the Mason County Courthouse, where in 1899, a monument was erected in Cornstalk's memory. In the late 1950s, a new courthouse was built in Point Pleasant, and the chief's remains, which now consisted of three teeth and about 15 pieces of bone, were placed in an aluminum box and re-entered in a corner of the town's Taindi Wee Park next to the grave of the Virginia frontiersman that Cornstalk once fought after later befriended a 12-foot monument was then erected in his honor. This is not the only monument dedicated to the period in Point Pleasant. Another stands 86 feet tall and and was dedicated in August of 1909, one month behind schedule originally. The dedication ceremony had been set for July 22nd, but on the night before the event, The clear overhead sky erupted with lightning and struck the upper part of a crane that was supposed to put the monument into place. The machine was badly damaged and it took nearly a month to repair it. The monument was finally dedicated and stood for years until July 4, 1921. On that day, another bolt of lightning struck the monument, damaging the capstone and some granite blocks. They were replaced and the monument still stands today. But what is this bedeviled obelisk that seems to attract inexplicable lightning on otherwise clear evenings. It is a monument to the men who died in the the 1774 Battle of Point Pleasant when Cornstalk and his allies were defeated. Could the freak lightning strikes have been acts of vengeance tied to Cornstalk's fabled curse? Many believed so, and for years residents of the triangular area made up of western West Virginia, southwest Pennsylvania, and southeastern Ohio, spoke of a strange happenings, river tragedies and fires as part of the curse. Of course, many laughed and said that the curse was nothing more than overactive imaginations, ignoring the death toll and eerie coincidences that seemed to plague the region for 200 years after the death of Chief Cornstalk. Many tragedies and disasters were blamed on the curse. In 1907, the worst coal mine disaster in American history took place in 
Monaga, West Virginia. I probably destroyed that, guys. On December 6th, when 310 miners were killed. 1944, in June of this year, 150 people were killed when a tornado ripped through the Tri-State Triangular Area. 1967, the devastating Silver Bridge disaster that supposedly the Mothman sent 46 people hurtling to their death in the Ohio on De- in the Ohio River on December 15th. Many have also connected this tragedy to the eerie sightings of the Mothman, strange lights in the sky, and odd paranormal happenings. 1968, a Piedmont Airlines plane crashed in August near the Kanawha River Airport, killing 35 people on board. 1970, on November 14th, a Southern Airways DC-10 crashed into a mountain near Huntington, West Virginia, killing 75 people on board. In 1976, in March of that year, the town of Point Pleasant was rocked in the middle of the night by an explosion at the Mason County Jail. Housed in the jail was a woman named Harriet Sisk, who had been arrested for the murder of her infant daughter on March 2nd. Her husband came to the jail with a suitcase full of explosives to kill himself and his wife and destroy the building. Both of the cysts were killed along with three law enforcement officers. In 1978, in January, a freight train derailed at Point Pleasant and dumped thousands of gallons of toxic chemicals. The chemicals contaminated the town's water supply and the wells had to be abandoned. 1978, in April of that same year, the town of St. Mary's, north of Point Pleasant, was struck with tragedy when 51 men who were working on the Willow Island power plant were killed when their construction scaffolding collapsed. And there have been many other strange occurrences, fires and floods. Most would say, however, that floods are a natural part of living on the river. Although Point Pleasant was almost obliterated in 1913 and 1937, It might be hard to tie such natural occurrences into a curse. But what about the large explosion that killed six men from the town just before Christmas of 1953? Or the fire that destroyed an entire downtown city block in the late 1880s? Some have even gone as far as to blame the curse for the death of Point Pleasant's local economy, an event linked to the passing of river travel and commerce. So how real is the curse? Is it simply a string of bloody and tragic coincidences, cold from two centuries of sadness in the region? Can it be used to explain why the area seems to attract strange happenings and eerie tales? Or is it the area somehow blighted, separate from any curse and attractive to the strangeness that seems to lurk in the shadowy corners of America? You're asked to judge the fidelity of such curses for yourself. For the most part, the deaths and tragedies seem to have warned over the years, perhaps dying out of the bicentennial of Chief Cornstalk's death. Largely, the curse has been forgotten over time, and today, Point Pleasant is better known for its connection to the otherworldly visitors like Mothman than for Indian curses and bloody frontier battles. Fact or coincidence, who can say? But I know that I hope for the sake of the people of the Ohio River Valley that Chief Cornstalk will finally rest in peace. Guys, when I read that story, I had to make it into an episode. I know I should have did it with the curses from the previous season, but man, that was just an amazing story. Uh, so many deaths and tragedies that has happened since the curse. 
you can't say it's you can't say it's coincidence. It's not all a coincidence. Yes, many things happen around everywhere. A lot of bad things happen. But for this main area, for all this tragedy to happen in one spot, there's got to be something to it. So I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. You will hear me again tomorrow night at 10 p.m. for another podcast episode. Guys, you can subscribe now to me for $2.99 a month. You get uh, insider content that is not heard here. You will, you will be able to hear it here, but in another venue. Uh, it's behind-the-scene moments, what I do with the researching, and special episodes that I won't put on here. So if you guys want to, please subscribe to me. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful evening, and you guys will hear from me tomorrow night. Thanks. Bye, everybody.